This is Radio Health Journal. I'm Reed Pence. This week, the mysterious deaths of some 400 American children each year. Why did Julian pass away? That's the number one question I have, right? Because we don't have an answer yet. A category of death that's largely unknown when Radio Health Journal returns. I'm Nancy Benson, host of Radio Health Journal. If you enjoy listening to Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show, Viewpoints, which covers a wide array of topics from education to history to the environment. Here's a preview of what they're covering this week on Viewpoints. This week on Viewpoints. I don't think sex really matters. If you're interested in the field, I always say... You know, try and get one of those ancillary jobs, become a CNA, become a phlebotomist. Male nurses aren't just employed to fill a quota. Their role is vital to overall patient care. Then... I would hope he would still be alive, (laughs) you know. What happens when the bully you wished would go away actually did? I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in-depth on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. Listen to Viewpoints on your favorite radio station and subscribe and listen to shows anytime on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Almost everyone loves celebrating a birthday. It's usually a joyous day, especially for parents celebrating their children. For the Torres family, July 2016 started as a month of birthdays, but ended as the month of tragedy. We had an amazing weekend and celebration on Sunday. Put our son to bed like any normal day, and I went to work the next day. That's how Estuardo Torres remembers the weekend of his daughter's sixth birthday, full of family, fun, and familiarity. But everything changed the next morning when his two-year-old son, Julian, was found dead. My wife found Julian in his little bed. He was not breathing, and he had passed away overnight. Torres is a father of three from Glenview, Illinois. It's now been three years since his son tragically and mysteriously passed away during the night, less than two weeks after his second birthday. The day Julian died is a blur for Torres, but the pain is as raw and vivid as ever. We didn't know what happened because our world turned upside down. I mean, at that point, I got a call that I had to go to the hospital. I thought it was just something minor. I wasn't expecting that, what I found when I got to the hospital. But my wife was the one that was here at the house and had to call 911 and, and get him transported to the hospital. But... The first responders that came were very nice, but they kind of already knew that Julian had passed away. And it was such a roller coaster for us because we went from this beautiful, happy celebration day, a day before, and less than 24 hours, we were dealing with the loss of our son and didn't know what had happened. I always say that my life, that life ended that day, and I started a new life on July 25th. 2016th, I started this new life. There are so many questions the Torres family had. The biggest one, what killed Julian? That question has gone unanswered for more than three years now. Julian's death is classified with a cold clinical name, sudden unexplained death in childhood. To me, I see it as more of a category of death and not really a cause of death. It just kind of explains that we have a child who died uh, suddenly 
who was otherwise healthy, and during the investigation and after the autopsy and after laboratory testing and other testing that is performed by a medical examiner, there still was not an adequate explanation for why the death occurred. And so we call that a category of death. That's Dr. Eric Eason, the assistant medical examiner in Cook County, Illinois. He says that categorizing a death under SUDC is a complicated process that sometimes takes weeks. So trauma needs to be excluded first, and that's usually found out during the actual autopsy, like blunt trauma or any other kind of trauma that may occur to a child. That's usually ruled out on the day of the autopsy. Other causes of sudden death in children could be due to uh, poisoning, toxicity, and that's usually going to be found out with laboratory testing, which takes a couple of weeks after the autopsy to be performed. If that's all negative, then you have things that can be seen under the microscope. And so a tissue that's obtained during the autopsy is examined under the microscope. You can find things like pneumonia, other signs of infection, other kind of conditions that can cause sudden death. If everything is totally negative, then the category becomes the uh, sudden unexplained death in childhood, where chances are that the death is probably due to natural causes, but we just cannot find an exact cause of what the death is. While SUDC is a category and not an answer, it helps researchers find patterns. Laura Gould-Crandall is a research scientist in the Department of Neurology at NYU Langone's Comprehensive Epilepsy Center. It's a category of death that unfortunately happened to some children after their first birthday. And it's a way of grouping them together by putting them in this category so that we can learn more from them and so we can learn prevention strategies and move forward in terms of reducing and eliminating this problem overall. It's something that is not common, but when you know what the statistics are, you find that it's far too common than any of us ever thought. It's frustrating as a grieving parent to be told there's no answer as to why your child suddenly died. And Crandall understands that frustration more than anyone. In 1997, she lost her first child, 15-month-old Maria, to SUDC. In terms of toddlers, which are the most frequent victims of unexplained death in childhood. It actually ranks as the fifth leading category of death in children ages one to four, which is much higher than I even anticipated when this occurred with me and with my family. And every medical professional I asked at the time said, yeah, we've never heard of a 15-month-old dying where a cause is not found. This must be really rare. This must be this kind of one-off problem, not a public health problem in general. SUDC is commonly misunderstood as sudden infant death syndrome, or SIDS. They're not the same. SIDS is a category made strictly for babies less than 12 months old who die suddenly. The thing is they know about SIDS a lot, know about sudden infant death. And I said, this is not that because that only is classified under a year. So this is not SIDS. And I have to explain to people all the time, it's not SIDS, it's not SIDS. You know, my son was over two years old. He was already sleeping on his own. SUDC is more rare than SIDS. It affects at least 400 children a year. But few people are aware of SUDC. When Ron and Jordana Sahara suddenly lost their 20-month-old son, Luke, they had never heard of it. I went up there to his room to go wake him up, just normal. Usually he'd hear you, so he'd get up and stand up on the crib and ready to come get you unless he's really tired. And 
I went to go get him and there was no motion, no nothing. And I went to touch him and he was definitely cold to the touch. This was just, I mean, it was shocking to know that healthy children can pass and you just have no idea why. The Zaharas described their son as loving, daring, and healthy. They were devastated when Luke died, and even worse, no one could give the Zaharas an answer as to why. Their deputy coroner had never even heard of SUDC prior to doing research online. Neither did their pediatrician or hardly anyone else in their lives. But how can something so tragic get so little attention? Part of the problem is a lack of funding for research. SUDC gets none of the federal funding that goes toward SIDS research because they're different categories. For now, Crandall says SUDC research at NYU is all privately funded. And from the research that has been done, it's still unclear what the common cause of death is for this group of children or even if there is one. It seems that this is a heterogeneous group, that all of these children are not dying of the same thing, but there are probably some leading causes of death that hopefully we can uncover over time. Those associated with cardiac issues, and we have been able to uncover some molecular basis for that in some of the children We've also found some children who, unfortunately, you know, did have an infectious insult that caused a sudden death, which is unusual. We've also found other genetic findings that have identified an underlying vulnerability to seizures and epilepsy prior to the child ever being diagnosed. The vast majority of the cases that come to us after review are still unexplained, but we are chipping away at the information, so to speak. The majority of children do have minor pathological findings on autopsy, but they are not compelling to the pathologist that it explains their cause of death. And there's yet another roadblock standing in the way of finding answers to these unexplained deaths. It's the lack of standards when it comes to death investigation. The surveillance of SUDC in the United States is not ideal. And part of that is due to the fact that we have a very diverse death investigation system throughout the country. Death investigations are state rights. They're not a right for the federal government to control. And therefore, investigations are done differently depending on where you live, in what state, and even within states, oftentimes they differ by county. So the information that we're collecting is varied. The certification practices are also varied. While families struggle to find answers, a lot of them have found support through the SUDC Foundation, which was officially started in 2014. Crandall was one of the co-founders and hoped to raise awareness to provide comfort as well as information to grieving families. Torres says the foundation has a unique family dynamic, and he recently became an ambassador to have a more active role. We found more support through them and help in terms of understanding what we were going through, and because we felt like we were the only ones that had gone through something like this. We didn't understand why. But then we found that there were other families and there were other kids and other toddlers that passed away very similarly in the same way, and we were just... We couldn't believe it. (laughs) 
that this is happening to other families. Three years ago, the Torres family got ready to celebrate a month of birthdays. Now they visit Julian in the cemetery, and the next-door neighbor, who is the same age as Julian, brings a cake made out of Legos with their initials on it to honor their special friendship. And life goes on. I'm three years into it. doesn't get any easier, by no means, but you learn to kind of deal with it. And for us, July is a tough month because, like I said, his, his birthday is July 13th. His anniversary is July 25th. And then we have other birthdays and my daughter's birthday. And so it, it makes it really hard. So my wife still struggles with a lot of it. And we're kind of still dealing with our own grief. <laughs> it never really ends. It's just kind of deal with it differently. But while researchers and advocates keep chasing after answers, the questions remain. Why did Julian pass away? That's the number one question I have, right? Because we don't have an answer yet. That's the ultimate question. I may never get an answer to that. So I have to live with that. But I have faith. I'm a man of faith and I'm Catholic and I believe that I'm going to see my son again. Grieving families do everything in their power to keep the memories of their children alive. For the Zaharas, that means building a memorial in the backyard, or their daughter taking letters to the mailbox to send to Luke in heaven. Their grief doesn't end, even though the deaths of Julian, Luke, and hundreds of other children may never be explained. I mean, in time you hope some of this heals, but it's always going to be with you. And there's always going to be trigger points. And, um, you know, just because it's been a year or five years or ten, you'll just never get over the loss of a child. Our writer-producer this week is Reagan Houston. I'm Reed Pence. Coming up, a big problem that's smaller than a pea when Radio Health Journal continues. Today's consumers are choosing foods for specific health benefits. Heart health tops the list, according to a recent study conducted by the International Food Information Council. Certain whole foods, such as grapes, which contain over 1,600 natural plant compounds, may be the key. Registered dietitian Courtney Romano is the health advisor for the California Table Grape Commission. A heart-healthy diet is rich in whole plant-based foods. A first step is to consume more vegetables and fruit, including grapes. Fresh grapes have hundreds of naturally occurring beneficial plant compounds, including antioxidants and other polyphenols. Research suggests that adding grapes to the diet every day helps support heart health in both men and women. Heart-healthy grapes from California are in season from May through January. Grapes of all colors, red, green, and black, are a natural source of beneficial antioxidants and other polyphenols, which contribute to heart health. Visit grapesfromcalifornia.com for more information. Paid non-attorney spokesperson paid for by the Sentinel Group. Attention military vets and current soldiers who served between 2002 to 2016. Have you or a loved one suffered hearing loss or tinnitus after serving or while serving in the U.S. Armed Forces? You may be entitled to compensation. 3M, the manufacturer of earplugs made for combat, recently paid the government $9.1 million to settle a False Claims Act case for knowingly selling these defective earplugs for over a decade. Specifically, the United States argued that the manufacturer knew their earplugs were too short for proper 
insertion into users' ears and that the earplugs could loosen and therefore didn't perform properly or reduce noise the way they should have. If you or a loved one suffered hearing loss or tinnitus after serving or while serving in the U.S. Armed Forces, you need to choose the right legal team that has the experience, support staff, and resources to seek the most compensation for your injuries. Call the Sentinel Group now for more information and a free case review. Call 800-655-6458. 800-655-6458. That's 800-655-6458. What are you going to do with your old car? You can try selling it, you could junk it, or you can donate it to Heritage for the Blind. Your car will be towed away for free and your donation is tax deductible. Just call 1-800-835-1478. Heritage for the Blind accepts cars, vans, trucks, and boats. It doesn't matter if your vehicle runs or not. It will be towed away for free, and you'll be supporting those that need help. Heritage for the Blind is a nonprofit organization that helps the visually impaired live fuller lives. Call right now to donate your car, and as a special thank you, you'll receive a free three-day vacation voucher to over 50 locations. Call Heritage for the Blind right now. Call 1-800-835-1478. Donating is easy, and your vehicle is towed away for free. Plus, you'll get a free vacation voucher for donating. Call now, 1-800-835-1478. That's 1-800-835-1478. Thank you for listening to Radio Health Journal, a production of MediaTracks Communications. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please support our show by subscribing, sharing it with a friend, and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. You can find more Radio Health Journal stories about health, science, and technology on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and RadioHealthJournal.net. Also, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Radio Health Journal. Coming up next week on Radio Health Journal. If you just sit there, there's a higher likelihood that you're going to be shot and potentially killed. Run, hide, or fight. New thinking on the best way to survive an active shooter. Then today's new college students are facing more stress than ever. Some experts say they're not ready for it. They're less able to handle difficult emotions and disappointment because they've been coddled, a lot of them. They're the generation of you get a trophy just for showing up. All that and more on Radio Health Journal, 